0: A couple of weeks ago, well, turn with me, please, to Luke chapter um, Luke chapter five, to the passage we read earlier, and we gave a little bit of introduction to the passage at that time. So, Luke chapter five, verse twenty-seven to thirty-two. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that the one of the hard things about COVID was the the isolation caused by the the lockdown. You know, being cut off from from loved ones friends and family but there was another kind of isolation which uh, many people found hard and that was the isolation of gps and the closure of health centers Uh, many of our family doctors entered a kind of self quarantine a state of separation where it seemed rightly or wrongly it seemed that the protection of their health and their staff's health was more important than seeing and treating those who were sick. However, as as Christians, we, we have to be honest, we are often like those doctors, and there were some who refused to see patients during the pandemic. We practice a kind of self-imposed quarantine or isolation from unbelievers. We stay away from sinners. Perhaps we want to protect ourselves and our reputation. We don't want to be contaminated or condemned by our association with them. So we stay away from those who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus and receive his mercy. And yet, as David Gooding, one of the commentators, has said, it is a strange doctor who only ever lectures the healthy about the dangers of disease and never goes near the sick to heal them. Well, there are doctors like that who only ever lecture, but most who lecture also practice. It's a strange doctor who only ever lectures the healthy about the dangers of disease and never goes near the sick to heal them. Well, not so with Jesus, not so with Jesus, the great physician, the great doctor. And we're going to see three things about Jesus from our Bible reading today. Three things that I hope will will make us worship and adore and love him more and more. But three things that I hope will help us as Christians, at least to start thinking about how we can engage in his mission more and more. So the three things are these. Firstly, the call that Jesus makes, verses 27 and 28. Then the company Jesus keeps, verses 29 and 30. And then the cure Jesus brings, verses 31 and 32. So the call Jesus makes, the company Jesus keeps, and the cure Jesus brings. Firstly then, the call Jesus makes in verses 27 and 28. And under this point, I'm going to break it down uh, into three questions. The call Jesus makes. So whom does Jesus call? What is the content of Jesus' call? And how does Levi respond to Jesus' call? So those are the three questions under the heading, the call Jesus makes. Whom does Jesus call? What is the content of Jesus' call? And how does Levi respond to that call? So firstly then, whom does Jesus call? Verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth follow me jesus said to him jesus calls a despised and a hated tax collector as i said earlier in the service a tax collector was widely regarded as a thief and a traitor he helped himself even as he helped the hated roman empire and tax collectors were lumped together in the popular religious Jewish imagination, certainly in the Pharisees' imagination, they were lumped together with other sinners, such as prostitutes. You see verse 30, the Pharisees say to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And that's a phrase we find throughout the the Gospels. Tax collectors were lumped together with other sinners. They were, in English, there's an expression called beyond the pale. Beyond the pale. What was the pale? The pale was a fence, a boundary. There was a pale outside Dublin. Uh, Catherine the Great had the pale of settlement in the 18th century. So Jews were meant to live in a certain area, but some Jews were allowed to go beyond the pale out of the settlement into other parts of, of Russia. So when we talk about going beyond the pale nowadays in English the expression means going beyond the accepted boundary going beyond the boundary yet this is where this is where Jesus goes this is where Jesus goes he goes beyond the pale and this is whom Jesus calls and we have to try and imagine let's use our imagination to say Say in the Second World War that the Nazis had successfully invaded Britain. And imagine your neighbor started working for them as a tax collector. A tax collector who was allowed to collect as much money for himself as well as for the Nazi regime. Now here's a question. Would you and I reach out to him with the good news of the call of Jesus? Would Christians in Ukraine reach out to those who worked for Russia? In the order of service, there's the uh, a notice about a forthcoming event um, being put on at CCC about Corrie Ten Boom, who wrote the book The Hiding, The Hiding Place. And as many of you will know, you will know that Corrie Ten Boom and her family hid uh, Jewish uh, Jewish people uh, away from the Nazis in Nazi-occupied Holland until they were betrayed. Somebody betrayed them. And Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betsy and her father were all taken to the concentration camps. But what I, what I didn't know, uh, I've read the story, so maybe I didn't, I've just forgotten. But what I didn't know or didn't remember until recently is that after her release from the concentration camp, after Corrie ten Boom's release, her sister Betsy had died in the camp. Her father had also died in the concentration camp. But after her release... Corrie Ten Boom gave shelter and refuge. Now, remember the war is over. She's not giving shelter and refuge to Jews. She gave shelter and refuge to those who had collaborated with the Nazis. People like the man who had betrayed her family. Because these people were hated and despised by others. They were in serious danger of being lynched, possibly killed on the street. People like Levi. Perhaps you can think for yourself. Of the kind of person you normally avoid. The kind of person who is on the margins. Of our society. Social outcasts. People even the wider world. Recognizes as sinners. Someone perhaps. Like Gary
1: Glitter maybe. Rolf Harris.
0: This is the kind of person Jesus calls when he calls Levi, a person whose name sticks in our throat and makes us sick in our stomach. But this is the kind of savior Jesus is. He came in love to seek and to save the sin-sick lost, including you and me. Whom does Jesus call? He calls Levi, the hated, despised tax collector. Secondly, what is the content of Jesus' call? Well, it's so simple. A child can understand it. Isn't it yet so challenging? It will take a lifetime for us even to begin to get our heads around it. Follow me. Follow me. A child understands that. A child can do that. And yet it's right at the heart of what it means to be a Christian and disciple of Jesus. Follow me. Stop following yourself and your own agenda. Stop following what you read on your social media feed. Stop following the world and what others think and approve of. Follow me, says Jesus. Stop following the God of money or sex or relationships. Stop following the God of good exam marks or a successful career which promises so much but delivers so little. Jesus says, follow me. Stop following the God of your family or your children or the God of a comfortable lifestyle or popularity with others. Follow me, says Jesus. Stop following a political party or a national flag. Follow me, says Jesus. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, if you and I are Christians today, we are not tourists following a tour guide. We are pilgrims following the footsteps of Jesus, our master. Uh, A friend who has another friend told me this story about the friend of my friend. He used to work as a tour guide, and uh, he eventually gave up in disgust. And uh, he said it was fine when he was leading a party of people from Japan or America or possibly Germany, he would say to them, now our bus, the tour bus is at the other end of this street or through the other side of this shopping center. You know the way the tour guys can hold up an umbrella or sometimes a bit of a sign? He said, follow me. We're going straight to the bus and getting on it. So we would hold up the umbrella or the sign of the tour company whatever and he'd march through the shopping center through the street and if it was people from japan or america germany they would all be there if it was british people and in particular scottish people he said he would start off with a party of 20 he got to the bus there were two people people going their own way into the shops i'll just pop in here i'll just pop in there Maybe it's because the others are in a foreign country. That might have been a factor too. But we're not tourists. Well, we're meant to be like the good tourists, I suppose, following the tour guide. We are pilgrims following the footsteps of Jesus, our master. Follow me, says Jesus. How does Levi respond to Jesus' call? So we've seen whom does Jesus call? The content of his call. Thirdly, how does Levi respond to Jesus' call? Well, verse 20, it tells us. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. We have seen this before in Luke's Gospel. Look at chapter 5, verse 11, where Simon Peter and his partners, James and John, they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now we said then, and I made this point earlier in the service, that the call to follow Jesus does not always mean leaving our job or our home. Not every tax collector had to give up their job when they followed Jesus. They had to give up the robbing and the stealing and the cheating and the dishonesty. That's what John the Baptist called them to do in Luke 3, verses 12 and 13. No, we may not have to leave our job or our home or our country, but even so, following Jesus does mean giving up everything. Following Jesus does mean handing everything over to him. So that if and when he does ask us to leave our home, or our job, or our family, or our country, we can say to him, you already have it all, Lord. You already have it all. I and
1: everything I have is in your hands and under your control.
0: Follow me, says Jesus. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. How how about you and how about me? That's the call Jesus makes. Well, secondly, then, the company Jesus keeps. The company Jesus keeps. <clears throat> it's true, isn't it, that young converts often make the best evangelists. Uh, I mean young. I don't mean by age. I mean young as in recently converted or recently become a Christian. And it's not just the first flush of joy and enthusiasm for Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit has filled them there with joy and uh, and life. And it's not just that the, the taste of grace is still fresh on their tongues, although it is. It is also because they still have their circle of old friends. They have not yet been swallowed up by church activities. And they've not yet gathered a group of Christian friends, which often means that non-Christian friends get squeezed out. And so we see that with Levi, don't we? We see that he opens in verse 29. He held a great banquet for Jesus in Jesus' honor at his house and a large crowd of other tax collectors and others were eating with them. He invites a great crowd to come and meet Jesus, to come and hear what Jesus has done for him. Levi is obviously a wealthy man, but he is using his wealth to honor Jesus and to give his friends a chance to meet Jesus and to hear him. He's giving his friends a chance to meet the man who has shown him the poverty of his life, despite all his money. Jesus has shown him the poverty of his life and Jesus who has called him to leave behind the the world of money or the worship of money and brought him and invited him into the world of grace. Do we use our money to honor Jesus and help others to meet him? Jesus accepts the place of honor at Levi's feast. And this causes a problem for those whose religion is all about separation. Separation in order to avoid the unclean and the impure and the sinful. Separation in order to maintain purity. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complain and grumble. Not to Jesus, but to his disciples. Verse 30, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, in a moment, we shall see the answer Jesus gives. But let's ask ourselves, are we more like the Pharisees or are we more like Jesus? Are we more like the Pharisees or are we more like Jesus? Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now, Jesus was not naive, but he knew the mission to which he was called. And because of that mission, he left himself open to criticism. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's a constant theme throughout the Gospels. Luke chapter 7, verse 34 Jesus says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, there are good reasons wise reasons why we as christians need to be careful how we engage with non-christians around us there are some things we cannot do and some places we should not go but having said that as Darrell Bock has said one of the other commentators an excessive form of separatism can kill mission in fact i would put it stronger: that's not just that it can kill mission it will kill mission an excessive form of separatism Will kill mission. And later on, he goes on to say that if our desire for purity means we stop reaching out to sinners with the grace and love of Jesus, then our purity is actually not purity at all. It is sin. That's quite striking, isn't it? But you might say, what about verses like 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22? Avoid every appearance of evil. Well, That's the King James translation. It's not the best translation of that word. That's why the ESV and the NIV translate it, avoid every kind of evil or avoid every form of evil. And even if we stick with the King James word, avoid every appearance of evil, Paul, who wrote that, is not meaning, it's clear from other parts of the Bible, he did not mean that we should never associate with unbelievers. But then you say, well, hold on a minute. Isn't that exactly what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7? Do not associate with unbelievers. Well, again, the translation is not This is the ESV this time, I have to say. But here the King James is more accurate. Along with the NIV, the King James Version says, Do not be partakers with them. Do not be partners with them. The Greek word used here means more than just association a word that implies partnership or participation and later on in Ephesians 5 verse 11 Paul will write that have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness in other words we must separate ourselves from the acts of sin from sharing in sin from participating in sin and from partnering With sinners in their sin. But we should not separate ourselves from those who need the light of Christ to shine in their dark world. For that is where the light is needed most. I mean, you put a light on in a room that's already lit, you think, well, yeah, it makes the room a bit brighter. But where is the light really needed? It's needed in the darkness. Now, we need the Lord's wisdom here. As I say, there are some situations that some of us, whether because of our personality or our weaknesses, we need to stay clear on. We, we better not be foolish about this. But we should not let the criticism of others stop us from reaching out to those in the dark. Jesus did not let the Pharisees' criticism change his mission one little bit.
1: He had come what
0: had he come to do verse 31 and verse 32 tell us it's not the healthy who need a doctor but those who are sick i have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance this is the cure jesus brings the cure jesus brings our third and last point it's not the healthy who need a doctor but those who are ill i've not come to call the righteous or those who think they are righteous sinners to repentance. Those who are well do not need the doctor. It's those who are sick. But it's not just those who are sick. It's those who know they are sick. It's not just those who know they are sick. It's those who are sick who know they are sick and know they need help. And it's not just those who are sick and those who know they are sick and those who know they need help. It's those who are sick. Those who know they are sick. Those who know they need help. And those who know they cannot help themselves. They know they are sick. They are sick. They know they are sick. They know they need help. And they know they cannot help themselves. These are the people who will say yes to the doctor. I'm so glad I've got an appointment at last. These are the people who will gratefully accept the treatment and the cure. You see, the Pharisees didn't think they were sin-sick souls, did they? They thought they were righteous. They thought they were spiritually healthy. But Levi knew he was a sinner. He knew he was sick with sin. He knew he needed help, and he knew he couldn't help himself. So when Dr. Jesus came with the cure, his life-saving, life-giving cure, the call to leave his old way of life, to repent, which means to turn away from his gods and idols of money and security and comfort and turn in faith to follow Jesus and trust him for the future, Levi gladly left everything and followed him. Everything. And folks, Jesus still brings the same cure with him today, today the same powerful, strong medicine of mercy. He still calls us to leave behind our life of sin and follow him. Jesus does not avoid sinners, but neither does he affirm sinners in their sin. He comes to us and calls us to repent. And the good news is, for those who repent and follow Jesus in faith, he still has the authority on earth to forgive us our sins. Luke 5, verse 24. How does Jesus have that authority? How does Jesus have that ability? Well, you could say, well, because he is God. As David pointed out, he calls himself the Son of Man, who is God. But how does he have that authority as the Son of Man, that ability? Well, because Jesus himself followed the Father's will all the way to the cross to lay down his life for sinners so that people like Levi and people like you and like me might be set free to follow him
1: and his call. Have you heard his call?
0: Have you heard his call? Have you responded like Levi? Have you taken his medicine of mercy and the cure that he brings? Have you understood, as in the words of Romans 2, verse 4, that it is God's kindness that leads you towards repentance? God's kindness. God's invitation in Jesus. I've been reading through this book Um, written by Dayspring MacLeod called Ten Women Who Overcame Their Past. And uh, I'll maybe get one of you to read it and review it if you haven't already read it. I'm just about halfway through it. So it's not just for women. I recommend it to men as well. But it's about ten women who overcame their past. And here's a chapter dealing with a, a lady who struggled, a woman who struggled with eating disorders. Well, what I'm going to read you is what she writes about, what she discovered about repentance. In Romans 2, there's a verse that I've never understood. It says this, God's kindness leads you towards repentance, Romans 2, verse 4. My version of repentance had no room for kindness. Instead, it was about fear, pride, and self-will. My version of repentance said, pull yourself together. Try harder, do more, make it better, fix your own mistakes, or face the consequences. But real repentance looks very different. It's the product of God's kindness, undeserved and poured out without limit. As I stood before the Lord, I expected
1: a fist. He gave me a kiss. If we have already responded
0: to the call of Jesus and his kiss of welcome, if we have responded in repentance and faith if, as followers of Jesus, we are ready, or are we ready and willing to follow him wherever he leads us? And are we ready and willing to take his medicine of mercy to those whom good living, sensible, religious, respectable people Avoid and despise and shun. So that they too might hear the good news of the kingdom of God, repent and believe and follow Jesus into the kingdom of light and love. What might that mean practically? Well, time has gone, but I think this is something we could pick up perhaps next Sunday evening at Rigmore recreation hall what might that mean practically for us as individuals or even for us as a church but in the meantime if our own opportunities for that kind of outreach are limited and sometimes they are then at the very least we can always support those whose opportunities are not so limited but let's not blind ourselves to the opportunities we do have Let's pray that the Lord Jesus will help us to keep our eyes open and our feet shod with the readiness, you know, the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. It's part of the Christian armor, isn't it? Our feet shod with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, which is a readiness and a willingness to follow Jesus wherever he may lead us. I'll say that again. Let's pray that the Lord Jesus will help us to have our eyes open to those who need the light of Christ in their darkness. Let's remember to shod our feet, to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Being willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Taking his light into the darkness so that those in the darkness might come into his light for the sake of his name and his glory. Amen. Let's pray.
1: Father, we we thank you for the love of Christ.
0: Oh, well, Father, it is a love that we only scratch the surface of, even in terms of our own experience of it, or never mind sharing it with others. Forgive us, Lord, when we are fearful, Forgive us, Lord, when we are too concerned in a wrong way with purity, that we don't want to get our hands dirty, we don't want to go beyond the pale where Jesus went. Oh, yes, Father, we are not Christ, we are sinners, so we need to be wise and be aware. But yet, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the way we have limited your mission and your mercy. Help us, Father, as individuals and as a church family to think how we can best reach out to those in the margins. And, Father, not to be <clears throat> not to be foolish about it or to beat ourselves up in an unhealthy way, but rather to see what we can do to engage in what you are already doing in this world, to pray and support those who are able to reach out to those in the margins, but never... To lose sight of the opportunities that you yourself give to us, whether at work, at school, at home, or in our neighborhoods. We ask for your help and strength in Jesus' name. Amen.